HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit michters.com to find out how their taste is everything, cost be damned, attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network. And it's basically the best radio station in the world because we get to sit around drinking whiskey with Heather Green. Mm-hmm. Top-notch expert of whiskey. And she just came out with a book, Whiskey Distilled. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. And I, I, I don't want to distract you right yeah, now. Yeah, so I'm doing something very important. Very important. She's pouring some Balvini 15. So that's awesome. Well, welcome to the new year. This is actually the first show of 2015. And uh, I'm very glad to have you in the studio. Thank you so much. I've been wanting so to get much. you in here for a while. And it's really great to have you. And cheers to that. Cheers. Boom. It's a cold day. It's perfect for it's scotch. Perfect. Yeah, snowy. Like, lightly. You know what? This is actually the perfect kind of weather for drinking scotch just kind of yep. like light drizzle of snow mm-hmm. it's not windy not too windy. wind sucks Wind that wind's the worst yeah. part of like the the cold weather well in know? new york it brings it from like 20 degrees to like negative 16 exactly. when the wind blows especially around the buildings whipping around in manhattan and stuff you're just like damn ah. Ah. gross <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I mean, i'm really glad to have you on the show Thanks. let's and and i'm really glad that we have uh opportunity to talk about whiskey because cool. like you said it's uh it's time to start drinking more whiskey it's not, a thing not just drinking whiskey like so on that subject right it's time uh, to drink more whiskey yeah we just started so yeah. the day is we're, still we're never long. not drinking whiskey right <laughs> well, am i not ever drinking oh, yeah well i sleep so i don't drink it while mm, i'm sleeping i usually have one of those camelback <laughs> like things and i just like, have a you right. know like like a like a rabbit uh, with a yeah, it's the, a clever the, way to do it. Yeah. It's a clever well, way to you know, do I just it. Want to make sure that I'm a 24 hour man. You oh know? goodness! <laughs> well, this is this is real fun. But let's okay, talk let's about whiskey. let's talk about uh, the book and talk mm-hmm. about whiskey. First of all, like what got you into whiskey? 
Well, a lot of good luck, um, first of all. I discovered it uh, at an early age. I, I talk about it in my book, actually. My first, um, well, okay, my first my first real sip would have been at a time that I don't remember because my uh, grandparents used to dip the binky in it. It's mm-hmm. the way that you would kind of um, make a baby less cranky or use it for uh, teething purposes. I don't remember that, but I do remember um, getting a Orange Crush bottle um, spiked with Jack Daniels when I was like 14. And I had read, no, I didn't read. I had heard from a friend that if you have alcohol on your breath and you grab a fistful of grass and shove it in your mouth, it takes away the taste of whiskey. So um, So why would you put a handful of grass in your mouth then? That's what I did. No, but why would you if it takes away the taste of whiskey? Because I, I didn't want my parents to find out. <laughs> oh. That's the first story in the book. So essentially, because gotcha. so my book weaves kind of my personal experience. That was my first negative experience. So <laughs> so I was on the all fours in the front of my um, the front lawn and grabbing fistfuls of grass and, and tanking that. <laughs> there's, there's also another one that's like, a, what is it? It's like putting a penny under your tongue or something oh, like that. Oh, that's another myth I haven't heard that's of. An, that's like a, a, a total like Southwest Southern thing. Oh. And uh, it's really stupid. That really put a penny in your well, tongue. Well, to this like, day, I, I, millions of people have touched. Like, well, to this day, grassy, herbaceous aromatics and and wine and whiskeys are my favorite. Maybe it goes back to that. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a little it's memory like, from high school. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, what got you into? Uh, I mean, you've been like right. the whiskey psalm and like mm-hmm. flat iron room, and like yep. you've been doing a lot of like whiskey. So, what, what got you like? What what got you to the point? Like, did you start in the service industry, or did you just like? You know, right. Well, I did start in the service industry and yes, I studied really hard. I, there wasn't anybody in front of me really to, to, um, sort of look up to like, what does a whiskey expert do around? You know, it's, it was definitely 10 years ago. There weren't a lot of people doing this. There were certainly people working in the industry, but, um, it didn't have the same kind of popularity as it does now for sure. Um, and uh, I'm a musician, so I play keyboards and I sing, and I was traveling around the world, and as many musicians in New York City do, they have restaurant jobs, and I was at Union Square Cafe and the Red Cat, and God knows a whole host of other things. Tonic, when it was uh, one of my favorite places to work, mm-hmm. was a music club on the Lower East Side, like a lot of jazz and avant-garde jazz, and, you know, I would just drink whiskey while I was... Uh, as musicians do. As musicians do. And then... Uh, and uh, the rest is history. The last time, <laughs> last time I met up, I'm also a musician, and uh, last time I had a, a jam session with someone who was drinking vodka tonics. Was, was like, that a little disappointing? I was like, eh, you're out of the band. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow that doesn't work. Being in a band yeah. and drinking vodka tonics, I can't even imagine. I mean, even just Frank Sinatra was drinking Jack Daniels. Yeah. He was drinking his own kind of. He had his own style, you know. But, um, yeah, I was traveling around. I was in Scotland, of course. That's where, you know, the, some would say it's the spiritual homeland of whiskey, mm-hmm. the grandfather of whiskey in Scotland. So I was there for two years, and I started working at the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, which is a uh, private club for people who are massively into whiskey. It's just this dynamite venue that has, they basically went, um, they basically collected casks, from all over Scotland. There's about 107 different distilleries in Scotland right now. And at the time, the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, what they do is they collected these casks from these different distilleries, and they would bottle the whiskey um, 
themselves and call it, you know, the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society bottling of Macallan Distillery or Glenfiddich Distillery or Balvini or Talisker, whatever the distillery is. And they that's called an independent bottler. Um, and they would do that and they would um, house them in this really beautiful Harry Potter-esque wet stone building that was like oak lined and flanked with big fireplaces. And I started working there and you just cannot help but fall in love with whiskey after that. So awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then I started uh, in a strange twist of fate. Um, there was a, well, there was, a, there was a tasting panel, and they would get together, these people that work at the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, mostly Scottish people, and they get together every once in a while and, and taste those casks and say, is this good enough to be bottled or not? And what do we call it? Um, meaning, like, how do you describe, how would you describe it? And they get really fun and creative with their tasting notes. And, and as I said, in this strange twist of fate, a musician had to had a gig, and they said, "You want to do it, Heather?" And I said, "Absolutely." So, I sat on the panel, and that was just incredible. I just uh, nosed and tasted the whiskeys in this amazing building in Scotland, and just started using words that I had learned in New York when I was working at places like Union Square Cafe, and um, had to know a lot about wine. So I just was like, hmm, "I'll just use the same words." Like, "Oh, this is." grassy it tastes like my front lawn (laughs) (laughs) or things like that or cherry or sherry influenced or whatever and so um yeah that was it and then I fell in love and you know there's a lot of synergies between I think music and the creation of something beautiful and wistful like whiskey you're you're preaching to the choir I I totally (laughs) I feel like we should high five right now okay we're doing it (laughs) that was weak we missed Ah, I have a trick for high fieving I learned at the bar the (laughs) The other day you look at the elbow. Yeah, you always. We do. didn't do that. Always look at the elbow. I'm but we also did like a left to right. Also, I'm five foot two, and you're what? Seven yeah. and a half. Yeah, this is the problem. <laughs> we have very un- mismatched arms. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so okay, so you know, to me, like, I don't know. I kind of like. Uh, I got into whiskey like in a, a different like. Okay. We all have our our appreciative. Our, like our appreciation of whiskey and, and like the way that we uh, we kind of got into it. like you know like a lot of times on this show we talk about like how people got into the the service industry and like how people got to the the grandiose level that they're at to be a guest on the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio. <laughs> I'm uh, kidding. I'm looking at Jack, but he's he's uh, not having it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jack. Um, to me, like okay, so like, what's your what's your what's your ideal like whiskey setting? Ooh, that's a good question. I know it changes, but like it does idea, change. That's right, it changes. Like music, yeah, it's occasion. Whiskey is an occasion. I mean, it depends. You know, like this is a super fun environment. I've, I mean, this is a new one. We're we're in this studio that kind of makes me feel like I'm in a sauna or something. It's all wood encased <laughs> in Brooklyn, and it's cold out and. You know, drinking whiskey here is pretty fabulous. From now on, this might be my favorite environment. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Speakeasy at Roberta's in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, of course, I mean, you know, when you... There's the cl- whiskey cliche, which is you need to be in this, like... Um, fireplace and The cabin. fireplace and the Chesterfield leather couch that you sink into and the sheepskin rugs and cigars and, you know... Um, that's, you know, certainly a, a cliche for drinking whiskey. 
Um, and that is a nice place, uh, but that's not realistic all the time. So, you know, sometimes you might be at a rock concert and you're like, you know, let me just have like your, your cheap whiskey and you would just want to have it, you know, quick, cheap whiskey to drink while you're listening to music and yeah, that's jim bean black and that's exactly like, well i don't want to name yeah. brand i mean you know like the bar brands which can yeah. be really great my favorite i have some favorite bar brands you know i look and scour and say oh that's the best one for me today and you know then there's my i love drinking whiskey at an airport bar i mean that's fabulous I, okay i really enjoy that yes absolutely i'm like i'm a huge fan of drinking in the air i love it well it gets you a little bit it gets you buzzed a little bit quicker. You got to be careful. There's something that like goes back to those like those days of like the like Pan Am flights in the 1960s or something about like you know I always wear a suit when I go on flight. I'm so glad to hear that. I dress. I try to dress really nice on a flight. I mean, I'm not wearing high heels and a gown or anything, but I wear. I'm definitely not wearing you know sweatpants or. I don't like that. <laughs> oh, oh God! Don't get me started on that. No, absolutely not. I'm all for. <laughs> Um, a nice there's ways to dress really elegantly and classy on a flight without wearing sweats i think it also changes your whole your whole experience like uh, on the flight like you can have like the most like crying babies you can be surrounded by crying babies but and, you like, look cool snoring people and like <laughs> you know like just like you can be in the aisle and get your knees bumped well at least i do because i'm seven and a half yeah, feet no, that tall. doesn't happen to me <laughs> but like <laughs> as long as you're like feel good and you're like wearing a suit and like a lot of times like if you're just cool to the people around you like at the the airport and and this is my trick and we were talking about this last night actually if you like look halfway decent and mm-hmm. you're nice to everyone around you and which you should i think you should always do that really Absolutely. anyway in life but well as next get, get upgraded Maybe. Well, you can. I mean, it's harder to get upgraded now. But, you know, when I I have to say, and also you never know who you're going to get sit next to. I sat next to this gentleman. I still don't, I don't know his name still, but it was four years ago when you heard me talking on the phone about whiskey. And uh, I was dressed up. I was going to some event in California. And when I still worked for a whiskey company as her spokesperson, and he heard me talking about setting up this event. And uh, I was helping write slides for this presentation. And he said, you know, he was an entrepreneur and he had like, I remember him telling me like six houses and all these things. He's like, why do you work, work for someone else? You should just stop and write a book. And I thought, huh? He said, you're doing all this stuff. He's like, you sound like you could just go off and do your own thing. And he was super supportive and emailed me. <laughs> I was like, you know, and his wife was sitting next to him. And I always think about that guy. And I think, yeah, you know, like I, I was dressed nice and professional and he yeah. gave me the time of day and nice advice. And, and here I am with a book. And it's a great looking book. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks. We're going to take a quick break and let's talk about the book. Okay. We, I'm excited about we're just that. Like let's kind do of it. getting to know each other right now. Yeah. But uh, when we get Airport back, we're going to talk. <laughs> when we get back, we'll talk with Heather Green more about her book, Whiskey Distilled. Back in a moment. The name of this song is Butterfield East by Mamarazzi. This is HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Michter's Distillery is a proud sponsor of In the Drink and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. At Michter's, our passion is making the finest whiskeys possible. When you only make small batch and single barrel whiskeys like Michter's does, your whiskey has to be perfect. No detail is too small, from careful attention to the wood used in the construction of our barrels to lower barrel entry proof before heat-cycled aging in advance of exacting chill filtration. And no whiskey gets bottled until Michter's master distiller says it's just right. Michter's cost be damned, taste is everything attitude is apparent in every sip of its smooth, rich whiskeys. Is it worth it? A lot of spirits lovers seem to think so. Food & Wine magazine called Michter's the best American whiskey. Bon Appetit said it's amazing. And the Wall Street Journal had one special word for Michter's. Phenomenal. For more information, visit michters.com or simply visit your favorite bartender or retailer and ask for Michter's. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy today. And we are hanging out with Heather Green in the studio, author of Whiskey Distilled and... Just all around awesome person that I'm just so lucky to be hanging out in the studio with. We're oh, having thanks. some. We're having some Balvini. Uh, Balvini scotch. Fatigue. We and decided scotch was the, the drink du jour. Of course, of course, it's a perfect day for it. You know, actually, uh, this is the first show of the new year. And what what did you drink on the years? <laughs> well, after after enjoying a, a bit of wine i uh the drink of choice what was open that night oh a glenfiddich 18 that's nice. what we opened that night glenfiddich 18 which is a classic um speyside which is a region of scotland single malt scotch single means one single distillery um, scotch is, of course, whiskey that comes from Scotland. And Wait, if you, what? <laughs> and if you want the, if you want to write on your bottle single malt scotch, you must be uh, whiskey that comes from Scotland, made with one hundred percent malted barley and coming from one single distillery. What's interesting is most people think the word single refers to single grain over in Scotland. It means single distillery. Mm-hmm. So, Little tidbit for your fans. Yeah, love that. Love that. <laughs> um, do you do you prefer one style of whiskey over another one? You know what? I don't. I I feel it's sort of. I just sort of get the literal, you know, figuratively and literally get the temperature of the day or the environment. And you know, when you and I had discussed out in the bar, like, what are we drinking? You first went with a rye and a bourbon, and I just felt like scotch. I yeah. don't. You know, sometimes in this particular. Um, Environment with this really freezing cold, I, I I have that thirst for scotch. I think I really asked for rye first because did. I didn't think that they had. Uh, I didn't really know what the whiskey the <laughs> scotch right in, selection yeah. was at Roberta's. That's good. Balvin is <laughs> a great, great brand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they have great so, great brands here all all along. So yeah, absolutely. So you know, like I I I have a farm in Oklahoma, and okay. so like I've grown up growing and farming corn mm-hmm. and wheat. And to me, like whenever I, whenever I drink like a bourbon okay. or like typically bourbon, mm-hmm. um, there's a certain connection to like something. The land or something yeah, that you absolutely. feel you have an affinity for it. It's, it's two things for you. You're American and Americans 
are very well, many Americans that have a palate for bourbon, it's what they grew up with. And that's something I talk about in my book, you know, when people have this notion of what's the best whiskey out there, or what tastes the best, we come to the whiskey drinking table, you know, with a, a whole host of cultural attitudes and things we're used to and what we grew up with that will influence how we taste and react to something that we put in our mouths. And so for me, I always think about that. There is no, when people ask what your favorite whiskey is or what is the best, right now people are talking about Japanese whiskey being the best whiskey in the world. Well, science says that there's just an incredible amount of subjectivity and in the human palate that the notion of a best whiskey is kind of lost when you just talk in terms of science and also culturally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so like part of you is you grew up on a farm and you're American and, and, you know, something like scotch isn't something you grew up with, nor is the grain something that you're well, I still love it. Well, you can still love it. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's, it's kind of like the I guess the other side of that argument is like, you know, the uh, things like look at it and Italian Amaro, you know, or mm-hmm. like Fernet or an Amaro, like where the palate isn't necessarily used to or adjusted to those types of flavors and aromatics. Um, but I think we're like getting into that. I think there's like a lot well, of like th- really esoteric like wh- Scotch whiskeys that that have come out, especially like the Isla stuff, mm-hmm. uh, really smoky, peaty, mm-hmm. like salty, briny kind of like I. I people are really into that now and it's great that they, they are. are they are they've been into that in america i think that these are whiskeys that come as you mentioned they're they come from an island called isla um some people mispronounce it and say islay it's actually isla it's spelled i-s-l-a-y should you see it on a bottle and the tradition in that island is to uh smoke and peat the barley and people often ask me what does that exactly mean well peat is a partially uh, dehydrated fuel source and uh, not very romantic name, but they um, it's a, I'm sorry, vegetation, partially dehydrated vegetation that you dig up and you dry and use as a fuel source. You can light it, it's flammable. And when you malt barley, you need to basically trick it into germination so that it sprouts and then you dry it. And the way they dry it in Isla is they light this peat on fire and it smokes into the barley. And that's how you get that that aromatic. So um, Isla whiskeys are just so memorable and so pungent and sea-like and briny and smoky. People really remember it. Would you, would you call them occasional? I do think that's an occasion. I think, I think. I mean, for all, all whiskeys for me are occasionally, you know, it's like a spice, it's a spice rack, you know. And I pull out depending on what I'm, what I'm in the mood for, or eating or drinking, or is it before dinner or after dinner? These are questions. Is it breakfast? You know, I'm not gonna have a smoky PD whiskey for breakfast. You know, so yeah. Well, of course. I mean, like in in Germany, they drink uh, the Hefeweizen for breakfast. You oh, know. they do. I didn't know that. Of okay, interesting. Well, and then and the interesting <laughs> thing you talk about with palate about the other um, spirits you're talking about is is like you know, um, is that there's probably some aromatics that people respond to within it. So, you know, wine and beer and, and whiskey and a lot of gins, you know, there's going to be, it's not just gin. It's like, there's a lot of aromatics that actually come out of that. And what that means, and I talk about this in my book and I find it to be the most interesting, but was the most fun part 
to write for me was the exploration of what aroma what aroma is, and that's essentially um, there's a, essentially a cluster of, of organic molecular compounds. It's a molecular compound. There are carbon and hydrogen and oxygen atoms that. Uh, molecules that combine to create a specific smell. And when we smell a whiskey or a wine, we're actually inhaling these molecules. They attach to receptors right behind the bridge of our nose and send a little message to our brain that says something like rose or my farm (laughs) or, yeah, grandma's attic, you know, and these trigger memories. These are, you know, memory and smell are very closely linked. They are part, uh, they're kind of, Housed in the, it's the it's, strongest uh, of senses, right? Exactly. It's old, and it's, it's the oldest part of our brain uh, associated with the limbic system. And so um, that, to me, was really is really interesting. So when we taste something like gin or, or um, sherry or whatever, I mean, there's, it's not just the profile of that particular beverage, but it's also the teeny elements within it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think... I, I can't wait to crack this book open. I just got it, you know, right as, at the top of the show, and uh, I'm really excited to get into it. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I, I love talking with people like you on the show because it's, I, you know, I know that you are absolutely just like full hearted, like into it. You know, like, yeah. Just like <laughs> to write a book, you look. A lot of people when they say, "I want to write a book too," I think to myself. You don't know what you're getting into because yeah. I mean, other. I now feel you know when I talk to other. Now I have a, such an appreciation of other writers. I mean, it's that's your life for two years. I mean, that's what you're doing. Yeah. You're you're. It's not about just a brain dump of information. It's how are you going to communicate that information? Right. How uh, what kind of language or tone you're going to be using? I mean, my first draft of this book was was. Can you swear? I'm not going to swear. Yeah, it was crap. Yeah. It was crap. It was shit. I mean, my <laughs> first draft was, you know, very technical, very, um, very dry. I think I got really into excited of explaining everything, and then the editor um, at the at Penguin Random House was Penguin at the time, and she's like, "Well, this is great. It's a great first draft." And I was heartbroken, and and I had to rewrite that entire book for two months booked another two months to rewrite it in a voice that is me um and now i understand what goes into bookmaking and then there's just the whole editing process and fact checking and it's it's a big job <laughs> Dude, i can't wait to crack it open and just like spill whiskey all over it while i'm you know you, like one of my favorite uh, uh some of my favorite books they say uh there's one called uh there's actually another penguin book called alcoholica esoterica Oh, okay. I don't know that. And that sounds interesting. I believe it's Penguin, but uh, it's it's just like anecdotal, kind of like, just like a lot of cool, like old stories about booze. Mm. And um, the first thing it says is, the author says, you should always have a glass of whiskey while you're reading this. He's like, one, because you're reading about booze. Two, <laughs> so you don't remember that much of it. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, funny. you know what? I oh, he's being a little self. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> like, I think he just wanted to have people reread yeah. it, you know? But uh, I agree with the first part. I think it's it's really nice to, like, understand, like, you can't, like, read a book without having, like, a book about whiskey without having a glass of whiskey. I think this you know? book makes, I think it would be more fun. And I, in the book, I also talk about um, which whiskeys should you have in your hand and how to, and we were talking a little bit about subjectivity and and, and uh, 
diversity in palettes, not just because of culture, but also our own, our biologies as well, I get into, which we didn't talk about yet. Um, but um, how to taste across different styles and learning how to appreciate them. So the first setup of this book is to try very different styles of whiskey. So you can immediate people immediately say, I love bourbon, I'm a bourbon guy right away, or I'm a scotch lady. I mean, it just happens pretty quickly when you have them side by side. But how do you feel about that too? I mean, like it's, it's like, I, I mean, I think mm-hmm. my theory is like, I always say to people, like, especially when I'm training new bartenders, I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, just taste, taste everything. It's, it's I like think taste a, everything. someone who's into food and beverage, just mm-hmm. taste everything. Yes, you know? I agree. So like, I mean, like with bourbon, I mean, bourbon, just like, let's, let's just take bourbon for a second. Mm-hmm. It varies so much, you know, like vary. rye heavy, wheat heavy, barley yes. heavy, you know, like, like on the back end of like, of course it has to be predominantly corn, but mm-hmm. like, but you have some that are like really rye heavy and really wheat heavy, you know, like mm-hmm. Weller versus Four Roses, you know. Right. And, but then, then you have like, then like once you get past that, you're like, oh my god, mm-hmm. the world of Scotch, you know, <laughs> like oh, man, yeah. we have so many like Madeira, Sherry casks, finish, uh, like just so many like the different islands like Mole, Highland. Space side, you know, like Orkney has Orkney. some great whiskeys. Yeah. Well, I think that's a. It is. It's daunting for the new for the new whiskey drinker because there. I think the what's important. I think that the um, proliferation of whiskeys coming out on the market and all the information coming out online, and all the magazine articles and the media is talking about it every single day. Um, it's very daunting for the consumer, and I think that what I've found is that I laid out very the map of the whiskey world. So whiskey is the umbrella term. You know, bourbon is a sub is a subset of a subset. I mean, right. so whiskey is the umbrella term. Then you've got American whiskeys, and then you have styles of American whiskeys, and bourbon is just one of those styles. And um, I think what's interesting to me, I've done I've done taught like thousands of classes at this point, and just a thousand even more. You know, ten times that for the amount of consumers over ten years, and. To see, um, I, I get a really good grasp of where the hangups are and where the misconceptions are and how we can change that. And one of the biggest things is that I think people don't understand the whole architecture of it. You know, that bourbon yeah. is a subset of, a sub, like, you know, the grandchild of whiskey yeah. and how that sits in the entire arena. And what's really fun, you know, a lot of um, branded classes, like, there's a lot of these distilleries have their ambassadors, and uh, I was an ambassador as well. And we used to, te- I used to teach whiskey, but it was really just one style and I don't even get into those particular styles until more than halfway into my book because really you want people to understand how does bourbon sit against rye sit against scotch what's the deal with Japanese whiskey and then I think I call it a tasting in broad contrast so you want to have a taste of all these different styles and really kind of get the big major palate differences and then hone in on that bourbon which I think is a nice thing for consumers to do because they don't really get that opportunity often most is most of it is very branded yeah i think i are you are you still like teaching classes yeah i still teach i'm teaching one tonight actually so Mm -hmm. i teach at the Flatiron room in manhattan uh usually on tuesday nights from seven to nine i still do it so we have uh different themes and styles and um yeah it's really fun and i i learn a lot i you know this book is also a reflection of what i think 
or not what I think, but what I know are the questions that most questions that people have that are afraid to ask, especially dudes. <laughs> right? Dudes are, That's dudes why are scary. Well, women are women are fun to have in class because they ask the questions that men are afraid to ask, but still don't really know. And that's why you know, and I, I noticed like about seven years ago at the bar, and I was it was like one of the happiest days behind the bar ever that I've ever had. When one day it went from. Like vodka sodas to, and this is going to sound terrible, but like two girls came in and they like ordered, one of them ordered Lafroig neat. And I was like, yeah, totally. And the other one ordered like Rittenhouse 23 with like one ice cube. And like it blew my mind. Hmm. And I was like, all right, cool. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And then the dudes that were standing around them were all like, did they start mansplaining or yeah, were they? they? They were like drinking vodka cranberries <laughs> oh, and shit. Okay. And I was like, oh my God, this is, we're, we finally reached a point where things are cool. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> it was great. But I would love to come to one of your classes sometime. Like, Absolutely. I, like, I, I, I mostly just so we can hang out again. And I would love to have you back on the show anytime you'd like to come in. Wow, of course. We can we can get in depth. We can do a bourbon show, a rye show, a scott show. It would be awesome. And really Jack would really like that too. He really likes it when we bring uh, some bottles. It's from... true. <laughs> I like to drink. He likes bring that. some so bottles from different distilleries. Yeah. Absolutely. That'd Absolutely. be great. Heather, thank you so much. The book is called Whiskey Distilled. It's out now. You can find it, I'm sure, everywhere. Yes, and, you can. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's uh, going to be a great read. I already know. I haven't gotten a chance to crack it yet. But it's my my next move. And thanks again. Thank you. Thanks. And Happy New Year. And thanks for being my first guest on the, oh, I'm super the show honored. for uh, Are you 2015. It's pretty cool. I think we got a little bit left in there. So maybe we can... Cheers. Clink in the New Year's. <laughs> All right, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out heritageradionetwork.org for many shows like this. You can also find us on iTunes and wishing all of you a safe and happy New Year. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.